Welcome to Zombie Beach. Broadcasting from the deep, dark hole that the rabbit went down, this is the Zombie Beach Podcast. Today, on this very special Easter 2021 episode, we're taking a retrospective look at the interesting and bizarre David Lynch creation, Rabbits. I am your humble announcer and man pulling the levers behind the curtain, Jerry Davis. Joining me, as always, are my good friends, Pat Seiler, and our fearless leader, Dan Ledbetter. But also... We're excited to have a special guest today, and I'll pass this over to Dan to give him a proper introduction. Well, thank you, Jerry. And once again, it's great to be here on a on an Easter Sunday. Uh, I discovered early this morning that it was, I was actually visited by the Ether Bunny uh, and was passed <laughs> out for about two and a half hours. But uh, <laughs> that wasn't much fun. But I did get chocolate eggs. The guy did have candy in the back of the van, apparently. So anyway... <laughs> Happy Easter to all my uh, my dear friends on this podcast and our and our only listener who God only knows who he is. Uh, but we this is I, I just have to tell you right out of the gate, super excited about our special guest on the show. Uh, you may know him uh, from such amazing films as Office Space, Richie Rich, A Bug's Life, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and a myriad of other films. Uh, please welcome and give a big zombie beach welcome to. Mike McShane. Hey, guys. Also known to these three gentlemen as the one guy who didn't wash enough in the drama department. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might make two or three of us, actually. Yeah, no, I was falling in right behind Danny Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who I think is our, probably our one listener. He could be. Well, there you go. Now he's not listening anymore. Just, so. goes, the hell with you people, Clint. That's right. I've never been so insulted. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, today I'm very excited uh, not only to have Mike on the show as a guest podcaster, but we're talking about quite possibly the weirdest freaking film I have ever seen since. Uh, you know what? I? But to say that about a David Lynch film is kind of, it's almost like a compliment in and of itself. It's like it is when we decided to watch Rabbits. I had no idea what, what we were getting into. And so I, I fired it up on my YouTube. I got myself a snack. I got myself like a cactus cooler and then uh, started watching this. And right out of the gate, I do have one question to ask. Did he recycle the Eraserhead soundtrack? Because it sounded <laughs> just like his favorite soundtrack. It's a very industrial kind of thing. I would swear to God that that was the Eraserhead soundtrack. I, I gotta say that even for a David Lynch film, this was weird. <laughs> it was it was damn weird. I, 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 for those of you who have not seen it, which I highly recommend that you do, because you're never going to get those uh, that forty minutes of your life back. But it is about these three people dressed in rabbit outfits, living in this one room, and hilarity should have ensued, but it didn't, and they have these weird laugh tracks, and 
applause tracks. It honestly, I, I if there is social significance to this film, you guys are going to have to help me with it because I watched it. I sat there and I'm going, okay, what is the filmmaker trying to say? And I don't have a clue. So take it away. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm thoroughly puzzled. You idiots figure it out. Yeah, you figure I'll it be out. Having another another cactus cooler. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it says the music was done by Peter Ivers, Fats Waller, and David Lynch. So using some of Fats Waller's music uh, for Eraserhead, because it was Angelo Badamateri that did the same guy that did um, Twin Peaks and yeah. a lot of his stuff. Yeah, if you if you listen to it, it's just these kind of long synthesized chords that ominous chords at that, you know. Yeah, that, it's that all minor barely chords. change. Yeah, and, and then industrial this, sounds going on in the background, like a horn, like a yeah, ship horn horns and or something. stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, it it follows the David Lynch soundtrack uh, box that you need to check off. Right, you need to yeah. have. The ominous uh, uh, soundtrack, the, uh, uh, the the industrial sounds in the background, and we're good to go. <laughs> I got that thing because the horn in the background was a ship's horn, like you said, with the pelting rain. I kept imagining like that their house was like not far from some horrible sort of docks in a film right. noir, you know? Right. Yeah, and because it had a bunny noir feeling because of that, with um, the just the that that. It was like in the background, their life wasn't going to be that good right. right from the beginning, even though they were dressed in a suit and, you know, they had the like the terry cloth house coat that the wife had the rabbit. And then um, the um, I think it was it Naomi Watts is the one sitting in front and she wasn't dressed like a teenager so much as like a guest or a, a younger sister. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, the, I, I couldn't quite figure out the relationship of the three rabbits. Uh, other than Jack, obviously, was the only guy, Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Which I, which afterwards, like, it took me three quarters away through the film, and I went, "Oh my god, it's Jack Rabbit!" I didn't even catch that. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Wow. I, yeah, I did not even catch that. I'm like, "Oh, are you kidding me? That's the most obvious thing in a David Lynch film that you could ever have." Exactly. <laughs> I thought it was very funny, and I did love, like you said, Mike. It had that total. Uh, like 40s film noir, like the opening title sequence where <laughs> it had the rabbits and then the shadow of the rabbit head going over. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be kind of cool. And then, and then it just went way south from there. It just like, I, <laughs> I loved, I loved the sitcom uh, sound effects. Like when Jack would come home and, and the audience would start applauding and he'd stand there mm-hmm. waiting for, waiting for the applause to die. And then he would start. And then they'd say just these weird things like, I thought it was a man's voice. <laughs> and they throw out the laugh track in the most inappropriate places. And it was it was very unsettling and disturbing, which I am going to that's the point. say that's <laughs> yeah. the point. Yes. That's yeah. the point of the movie. So so they describe this, you know, if you look, you know, if you look up the wiki of this, it it's described as this kind of horror uh short episodes. But but Lynch himself says no. This is this is a, it's a, a sitcom. sitcom. <laughs> yeah, and I, my feeling from it is that he thought it was really funny. You know, it just he was just like, okay, this is going to be so weird, and then then he's just laughing the whole way through. Right. So <laughs> I kind of feel that about a lot of David Lynch films, though. I kind of feel like he's sitting there cracking up, going. 
they're not going to know what to do with this. <laughs> or, yeah, your discomfort is my pleasure. Is exactly. part of his. But he's not, exactly. as, you know, it doesn't go into full, except in other films, full on horror, you know, um, but he, he wants you to be unset. He wants you to what, what has been available so far in films to unsettle you and to keep that going at a low simmer the whole time without, at least in this piece, with any tight shots, without because you're always at a distance as if you're in a theater or the David Lynch theater as it is, right. and you're sitting and you're watching a set and, and, act, and blocking that isn't very different from like a – late 1940s play, like a T.S. not T.S. Eliot, maybe I took a T.S. Eliot where people are sitting around talking banali and not moving quickly, right. except when she goes off and brings out like the sparklers of death. Um, at that one point, she, she comes out wielding those batons. And then you've got like that, that weird, like red glowing head doing the, uh, doing the, the chatter. You know, but um, yeah, it was in the, I love how the sitcom laughs escalated. Every time you come back in, he got more laughs. Right. He got more applause. I mean, he got more, uh, he turned up the volume and he extended it. And he obviously has access to huge, huge files of applause and laughter to, to pick the right stuff. So even more unsettling. Why is he, you know, because we're all going, what, what are you doing? Yeah, what the hell? What's the deal with that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would like to also say that they, you know, you mentioned this, Mike, that uh, that it looked exactly like a uh, a set for a, a for for a theatrical piece. Mm-hmm. It looked like they were filming, you know, something on a on a stage. Um, it, you know, it was just one set, and you know, people coming in and out through through the two only entrances, um, upstage and and downstage, right. And then, and then the color palette of this too was unsettling. It had like a brown rug, mm-hmm. and, and, and this, this brown blue. theater it looked like it was fecal. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's that's true, part of true. the deal, right? It's like the part of his set dressing, and especially the lighting, which I thought was very stark, very, very blue. A lot of mm-hmm. blue overtones, and then to contrast this with. Well, I was going to say the part that really confused me, but the whole freaking thing confused me. But when the lights went out and it went red, and then I uh, was it uh, Jane who came out with the two flashlights hanging over her head and yeah. doing like the blah, 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 voice or whatever. I'm like, look at that. I'm going, all right, something just happened, but I don't know what just happened. And there was no explanation for it. Like, I guess, I guess that was the horror aspect of it. It was like she got possessed by something that had flashlights. Uh, The way I took this was, so first of all, I think it's just amazing that all of these elements were within like a 43 minutes of, of film, you know, in these various scenes. And the fact that you, you know, we we talked about the, the sound, we talked about the, the visual elements, um, and then I took the, you know, again, going with the theatrical um, motif here, I, I took that whole thing with the, you know, with the, uh, <laughs> it reminded me of, a, of, of, of like somebody on the tarmac, you know, bringing in the plane, you know, but it, it, it I thought, okay, this is the Deus Ex Machina moment here, right, because right. you know you, you bring in the, the the orange 
you know, whatever godlike thing is, or spirit is talking. And then you have that flame that appears over the upstage entrance. And, you know, being Judaic myself, every synagogue has such a flame uh, in, uh, in their bima. It's called right. a ner tamid. It's a. Uh, it's supposed to be, you know, something that illuminates truth and and the path that you need to go, go on. And so, I, I just took that. Okay, that's their god that they're communicating with. At that well, that's point. what I was thinking too. Now, is that? But that flame. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because I am not. I don't know a lot about Jewish tradition and culture. Isn't that flame supposed to be going 24 hours a day or something like that? Correct. Like an Correct. eternal That's, flame? Yeah. Yes. The eternal flame. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Which is often it I... would be coming out at just random times, which. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I kept thinking he was inserting like unused footage from Frank Morgan from the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) 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 It just toned it red, you know. They had some footage you could use because Frank was really hammered that afternoon. Right, exactly. exactly. Where I come from, no. Yeah, it was was like a a cross between the Wizard of Oz, the Exorcist, and uh, Return of the Living Dead. Exactly. It was was like I – I, I I was waiting for an explanation, but then I gave up on that real quick because I remember, oh, it's a David Lynch film because there's yeah. not going to really be an explanation for anything. And I think that's one of the more beautiful things about David Lynch movies is he doesn't have to explain anything and he just puts it out there. He does what he, in his creative visionary way, he just puts out whatever it is that's in his head and puts it out there and the rest is left up for us to interpret. I don't even know if the actor's knew what the hell was going on, to be oh, honest I'm sure with they you. did not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think he likes that because I think that that sends out an even more sense of uh, of discourse and uh, unsettledness and just off, off-putting, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you just get this weird alternate reality that's comfortable but uncomfortable and you go, you go, I don't know what's going on and yet I strangely cannot look away. You have looming looming dread from the background noises. You have the walking in the hallway because you know then there is something or somebody else there. Yes. Which makes it all anticipatory and keeps – it's all those techniques in films – in film that you use to keep you strung along uh, without a high level of – high level of immediate manipulation. Like you say, it's – and uh, I always like him when he does that because he's like – he's like a student filmmaker that doesn't want to get laid. Right. Um, you know, he exactly. just, he's just doing this and that's it. And of course that makes him even cooler as he smokes a cigarette and has like his 800th coffee. Right. He's a, he's a very gentle guy. I know one or two people have worked with him and his, and like you said, I don't think he goes, you know, if you just come over here, okay. And uh, then um, at this point, just turn left. Cause they're not audibly, I don't think they're miked. I think the sound is laid in later. Oh, I think, so mass too. Meds I think so too. So um, they've recorded the tracks or they've discussed it as much as he would discuss it with the, the artists and then go, come here and after a beat, you know, or you know, signal, just come here and cross down. Or you need to cross here, to, you know, it just kind of lets, lets you have a certain amount of activity in it. But he's just going to gently just guide you because he is. He's a gentleman on the set. He's never, he's never loud. He's never shouty. He's a very nice Midwestern guy, you know. Who's just you know does transcendental, transcendental meditation and this is what comes out of it. What's not the like? Exactly, exactly. 
Well, but, Jerry, so, what did what did you think about this film? Well, for I my memory of it because I saw it when it first came out. For some reason, I was I I had this vision in my head that it was multiple levels and there were different rooms. So I must have been thinking of um, that Bill Murray movie where they were in a submarine. Oh, um, um, the life aquatic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think I I was getting those memories mixed up, but I do remember there was, um, there was an interview with someone about the making of this. And they said that the set had been built in his backyard Yeah, and it was pissing off all the neighbors because of the lights they were using to film it at night. So (laughs) it's like, but I, 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 the parts I liked the best was trying to figure out because if you, if you mix and match the dialogue, there was an actual dialogue going on, but they were out of place in, in time. Mm. Mm. So, and, and, and then it was, it was like he would say, what time is it? And then there'd be four or five lines that had nothing to do with that. And then she would say what time it was. Right. And then there was a laugh and then, and, and I, and I just kept thinking, okay, David Lynch just thinks this is hilarious right? Exactly, <laughs> because he knows everybody's making these weird faces of like, what the fuck <laughs> while they're watching it. And that just brought him immense joy. And you know, for Jerry, some reason that brought me joy. <laughs> did he write did he write the actual dialogue like as if it was a script and break it out? Like put the air between it and move it around? I, or- that's what it seems like to me. So what you're saying is he they recorded the lines and he took and just kind of cut and put them wherever he wanted. Out of I, I don't I don't know if they recorded it in sequence and then cut it up. Or not, but but the they there if, if you do rearrange it, there 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 is an actual dialogue going on. I wonder if they did because if the if you do that with the actors and they record it, then they're like a radio play. They're recording it and responding to each other, right. so they're not isolated. So they don't the lines aren't standing alone, and you have to inform them alone. You have you know two other people that you're having a scene with, and then it's and then the the filmmaker takes that and adds all the air and moves things around. So you have already you have meaning implied because you're actually performing with each other, and then that's blown apart. And so we, we you know, what, as humans, what we hear and see, we we link all the time. That part of it is, is is fun with them, like you were all kind of talking about. And if you can stretch that out and make that more plastic and make it unnerving, it still starts with original meaning. So it's it's like you know, what what you no know, that makes it, but it doesn't. So it does make a sense, but he's take, taken and made a different sense with it. Right. So it's yeah. not just like remote or cool or 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 it's not detached dialogue. It's not. Uh, you know, experimental art from the Weimar period, where it's all your your back saying you don't understand anything. It's not right. where the hog, you know. Right. Well, I, all I can say is, nineteen years later, this film still holds up as it would today. Mm. I can't believe it's been nineteen because I I remember it coming out as if it were just like five years ago. Well, it said it was two thousand two, didn't it? I know, I know. So I'm, I'm like, what? what? Maybe I didn't discover it until like five years ago. I don't know. <laughs> I just like to so, test off the neighbors. I hope they're Hollywood people. I know that's <laughs> I, that's, great. that's awesome. And don't I wonder, you know I have an Oscar for sound design? What's going on here? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I know. I do think it was interesting though, Pat, that you 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 brought up the point which I absolutely 100 percent agreed with. It really looked like it was a 
filming of a stage production <laughs> because of the way the room was. And it was very, um, it, it almost looked like a high school play, right? Yeah. It was like, so, yeah. The, so the so a couple of those things, you know, I kept looking at the shadows of the bunny ears on the wall. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And I was just wondering if, you know, is he going to make one of those shadows turn into a monster or something? <laughs> <laughs> like Killer Clowns? Well, yeah. Exactly, just like from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I think it's. Got I started that laughing because I noticed the archway that goes upstage. It was like across, and then it was cut out high. I went, "Oh, that's for ear clearance." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. You know, because if it, if they brush their ears on it, people go, "Oh, look at that!" And then that's it. You know, now, now it's it's absolutely supposed to be funny. They're whacking their ears on things. I just want to know. I you know what I think would be a great series would be uh, a series called pitch sessions because I as one would love to the hell have been sitting at the table when David Lynch is pitching the idea for this to whoever's investing money into it. I would have loved to have hear his explanation and why this movie makes sense and why he needed uh, however many millions of dollars it took to make the film. I'm betting mm. he paid for this himself. I am too. Yeah. yeah I, I would think, I mean, it looked like yeah. it was, it was pretty low budget, but I mean, uh, was it ever released by any? Did it was it no no? He made release? it as a web series. Yeah, it went straight to the stream. Um, oh yeah. Well, and, well then and, he probably set up his a, iPhone and just had some. Well, he, he's got a, a YouTube channel now called David Lynch Theater, and mm -hmm. every day he he releases two about one minute videos. One is a local weather report of Los Angeles. And the other one is he reaches into um, a jar full of ping pong balls that are numbered and tells you what the number of the day is with no <laughs> explanation. So it's like uh, today is number eight. Yeah. And he and said it. it's the same line. I am sticking my hand in the jar. I am swirling the balls. I'm pulling it out and he hides it from the screen and then he brings it into shot. Today's number is six. Have a good day. The end. Every day. <laughs> there are people for, for off over their, a year now. <laughs> there are well, people off their meds watching that daily, going, "What the hell's going on?" Right. <laughs> what did I wake up into? So, so um, I, I'm going to go even further with this theatrical um, conceit that I've got for this, and, and say that. I think he borrowed heavily from playwrights like Albie and Pinter and especially Samuel Beckett. I thought I was watching Waiting for Godot with rabbits, to be honest with you. <laughs> that uh, that in itself would kind be interesting. Of, <laughs> that would you know, be. Existential, okay, we're here marking time. What's mm -hmm. going to happen, you know, yeah. and, and this sense of dread that's uh, all around you, you know, with that. Uh, so I, I, and, and as somebody who's, who's um, worked on, on pieces by all three of those, those playwrights, it, it resonated very deeply with me in, in that regard. Um and then the other thing that I wanted to mention is I saw this with the, the beautiful and talented and much wiser than me wife of mine, Michelle. Oh, this, what, this is, what did a, she say? What this did she was say? A, this triggered her. This triggered her because she had 
this um, uh, childhood book um, called The Funny Bunny Factory um, that she would read all the time. She says, now I know I am weird because she read this book. And when you look at this book, it's this like it's supposed to be this small kids book, but it's all filled with, you know, existential loss and ennui and some, you know, and, and the, um, the, the art on it is like very expressionistic. And <laughs> it's like, it's I like, I this. think that, that, uh, that, uh, David Lynch must've seen this book. What's <laughs> it called again, Patrick? It's called the funny bunny factory. It was, um, I'm looking at it right now. It was copyright 1950 a story by Adam green. Illustrated by Leonard Weisgard or Viscard. Adam and Green. She describes it as a, a horror book. Yeah. <laughs> if you look <laughs> at it, it's 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 it gives you the same kind of feeling as watching rabbits. Wow. And God, I, wonder if he came across I wonder if he came across it one time and, and through his own filter went, I can do something with this. I, I, I can make yeah, something you know, out I of mean, that. yeah, this was a the, <laughs> M- Michelle was right. She says, it's a trigger moment for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> she had to go and dig out the book and see, see, see. I'm like, oh, this oh is my it. God. Wow. But like the Albi thing, you know, they have their comforts. They have the right kind of clothing, middle class-ish, comfortable. It's domestic, and yet they are distracted. They're separated. There's something going on outside. Yeah, it's like, and how are they acting about that? How are they reacting to it? If not, even, they're trying to carry on. Kind of like Blue Velvet, right? This movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. This undercurrent of dread and doom, you know. Blue Velvet, White Rabbit, it's all the same. I don't know. Well, could be anything. I was a little upset because I've been working on a script for a number of years about a group of forest creatures who, um, the guy who's like a he's clear cutting the forest, he dies and has a change of heart and leaves a massive fortune to them, and they attack each other and are horrible. I call it Leave It to Beavers. And um, <laughs> oh, dude, 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 you you had me, you had me for a moment. I'm like, oh, I know, wow, what a I great know. concept! And then, but thank you. Get leave out it, of my office. Well, we'll go to 20th it, Century Fox now. All right, <laughs> leave it to Beavers. <laughs> Pitch it to Netflix; they'll make it. Hey, they'll oh my make God, anything. Yes. Or or uh, the Sci Fi Channel. I think they'll do it too. Beavnado. I think it's what you It can happen. It can happen, people. Well, now, did your what did your wife think about the film, Pat? She loved it. She lo- I mean, she I mean, we you know, we we experienced the same things for over 30 years now. So, yeah, we we we, we were she loved it. She's Wow. This is a slice from my childhood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think out of all of us, she she's the one that really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I I watched it and I was like sitting there, I was very intently watching and looking for the nuances and looking for the different things that were going on. Like Pat, like you were saying, then the flame would come up, and we I, I, I assumed that meant I was supposed to pay attention more than I was already. And there were just so many weird little David Lynch moments, like the the uncomfortable pregnant pauses between sentences. And it, but I thought it was, I thought it was fascinating. And I, 
I can't wait for the sequel. I can't wait for the sequel or the <laughs> or the uh, director's cut, which adds uh, two and a half hours of unseen footage. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, no, nobody goes in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Isn't there a, sh- a shed load of cutouts used in Inland Empire? It's on the TV, or I guess, I, or something in a scene, and and he's broken it down a couple of ways. So it's almost like. Like a, a puzzle, he can refit, move around, and go. And there's A, you know. And now here's B. And everybody, goes, okay, I'll keep going with it. So it's kind of like got a limitless life. I mean, it's it's not like it had an ending. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like it just kind no. of stopped. Well, the parts that that lost me were the were the the kind of the beat poetry parts. Where they oh, would where come the out. one person yeah. would come out and do their little yeah, monologue because or, or I mean, song. yeah, you know, I, monologues. Yeah, I w- I, w- I spent. <clears throat> some time in Berkeley and San Francisco and in the poetry circles because of my friends. And I don't know. (laughs) This this is not feeling good, but of course that's probably what he wanted. Well, yeah. I mean, beat poetry and spoken word and all that stuff, you know, kind of is is its own genre. Some of it is, some of it's really good and, and is like the precursor to rap music, I think. Some of good rap. Mm-hmm. But then there are some that I'm just like, okay, you're just masturbating on stage. <laughs> right, right. I saw once a friend of mine went to there's a place in San Francisco called Project Arto. He's a he's a he's a location guy now. And years ago he'd just gotten dumped, had a horrible wreck of a marriage. And he said, I'm gonna come why don't you come to do my some of my poetry? And I'm like, okay, dude, all right. Oh, man. <laughs> exactly. So I come and sit there and I'm like, oh my God, this is fucking awful. How do I tell him? How do I and he asked me, and I was like, look, I'm not trying to be a dick. I love you, man, but what the fuck? He goes, I know, I know. I just, I just had to get an audience for that. Now I'll never say that again. I go, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's a really good idea. And it was for free. So you didn't take my money. Yeah. And we yeah. smoked but a big joint take, afterwards. <laughs> he did take your time though. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. But You'll you never know. get that back. But then, as we were, were young, you can give that up. You know, when you get to be, you know, I get to be this person going, I can't watch this crap anymore. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there's some. I mean, in all honesty, uh, for a while, I actually was going to a uh, a spoken word venue just because I thought it was fascinating, and they did an open night. So I got up and I I just did a freestyle thing about Carl's Jr. and their chicken sandwich and the whole. <laughs> and it's like that. I've got well, all these all you these like that, didn't you? Uh, it's supposed to be filmed somewhere. I, I need to find it. Because I, I could swear it. you showed that to me or I, I was able to hear some of it or something like several years ago. I think so. I, I don't know where it's at, but I, I can dig it up. But, but it was good. It was a good, it was, I. you know what? Uh, it petrified my, my now ex-wife because she didn't <laughs> know I was going to go do it. And I just go. Hey, I'm going to go up and freestyle something. She goes, what the hell are you doing? I go, <laughs> I, go, I, go I don't know, but get ready. Cause you might have to catch me. Dude, she couldn't dig the fact that you're possessed by the spirit of Carl Karchner, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Of course, your yeah. first attempts are going to be really kind of, they're going to be full of anticipation. And even if they're weird, they're weird. And you're like moving forward. Cause I have no idea what I'm saying. But Dan, I, I got to give you props for just going. I feel it. I'm going to go up and do it, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, 
I, I feel I feel the 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 muse is is tickling me. I gotta go up and do this. <laughs> I would pay good money if you had like you went to a club for spoken word and the lights came up and there are three parakeets. <laughs> and they were just random, you know, and, and and there's like butcher paper underneath them, and at the end of the evening, you can buy the droppings as a piece of art yeah. <laughs> for like a huge amount of money, you know, and it all goes to a benefit of some kind. Yeah, like a bird, like an aviary be, uh, benefit or something. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of right now. All right, let's pitch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Miles, uh, David Lynch will film it. I'm sure he'll be fine with that. Hey, once it opens up, there are people that need this kind of entertainment. You know, that's the truth. I mean, this it's uh, it's so been a rough couple of years, people. I did something similar to that. Um, it was actually a full-blown opera. It, I, I, I was an assistant stage manager at the Lyric Opera of Chicago, and they did this opera. It was called uh, Un Rey en Escalto. It was like the, the King Remembers or something like that. I, I, it was this total... It was like David Lynch did a, did an opera, and <laughs> oh, good God! And I can't tell you what it was about, but it was pretty fucking cool. Um, and at one point, they had these birds of prey tethered to this to this limb. Oh, I remember you telling me about this. Yeah, part. and they had like they had like a hawk and a vulture, and they had this. This um, monofilament that was tied to one of the uh, one of the bird's uh, legs, and that when you tugged it, the bird would flap. And there was there was actually in the score, you know, at X measure, page whatever, bird flap, you know. And I had to I had to signal when the bird would flap, you know. You know, it, of all the jobs you've had, I think bird uh, flap collar is probably one I'd put at the top of my resume. <laughs> but, that is stage yeah. management at its finest, man. I, exactly. I'm telling you, man. And then they they had they had actual um, uh, trapeze artists on stage that would do stuff over the chorus. It was it was wild, and they actually flew the chorus. They 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 attached all these uh, cables. To, to the chorus, they, they were all in harnesses, and all of a sudden, the entire chorus was lifted up into the air, and then they were going in different levels and stuff. I mean, it was fucking cool. I couldn't tell you what the what the opera was about. Right. <laughs> but but it was, birds with microfilaments. Yeah. I, it was amazing, yeah. <laughs> well, all I know is this watching rabbits has inspired me. I want to do a uh, – I want to do a movie. Uh, about uh, chickens in the South and call it Gone with the Hen. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and all we do is we insert chicken clucking and uh, applause and laugh track. I think we could do it. We dress the chickens up in like Southern plantation owner outfits and just let them wander around a set. And we just let them cluck, right? Just do the clucking thing. And we insert laugh tracks and applause. Like, I, I think it could be something. Yeah, they might confuse her footage of Mitch McConnell's house. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you find this? Where, where did they get this? What is this? What is this? Uh... <laughs> Can you imagine directing that? No, I need more buck buck here. <laughs> <laughs> Cluck for me. Cluck louder. I need more <laughs> clucking. 
Lord, now, right, now we have the title for the would, episode. <laughs> yeah. More Cluck Bell. <laughs> you remember early movies when they'd have to do some, like somebody drives their plane or car into a barn and you'd have oh, like right. yep. six Absolutely. or seven chickens go flying out? Yeah. Just yeah. imagine because the gig had to be some poor stage hand had to be holding this pissed off chicken. Right. And on cue, chuck it into the air. Cut. Let's do it again. Let's find the chicken. You find the goddamn chicken. <laughs> the chicken's like in a small car driving back to Van Nuys going, I can't do this crap anymore. <laughs> I was born to be no, on the stage. <laughs> I always voice all my chickens as like character actors from Flintstone movies. Because they're, they're always like, you always know, see the appliance animals in the Flintstones. Yeah. yeah. Like mildly, like, oh boy, if he's to shut all my time, I'm going to have to take my snout off. <laughs> well, like that in like the, a uh, the garbage disposal. Exactly. The garbage disposal was like a warthog under the sink. <laughs> yes. It's a job. It's a job. <laughs> there go. Yeah. It's Mel Blanc. It, wasn't, it wasn't Mel Blanc. It was. Oh, and Dolph Freeze. Who's the guys that did it? Because they did some, as well as doing the main characters, uh, they would like, you know, chuck in that kind of stuff. Oh, oh, the one guy, oh, he played Ernest T. Bass on Andy Griffith. Howard Morse. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was the guy who did a boatload of those animals. Because I was looking him up one time for a voice 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 class, and I was like, you forget how much stuff that cat did. He was one of his, he was Sid Caesar's straight man in show shows. Oh, oh wow. That. Yeah, because whenever you remember since you do the the gobbledygook talk of like you know the German right. putting the hand on the corners, the other guy was Howard Morse. Oh, <laughs> well, see, easily as funny as as Sid Caesar in many ways, but not getting the credit. But yeah, so all those appliance animals were like yeah, and they're going to up. You know, you always think about it, updating it, and you know, Betty's vibrator going. Oh boy, I hope this marriage gets better. I'm going to be worn out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what animal would be doing that, to be honest with you. I don't, a rattlesnake, maybe? No, a rattlesnake. <laughs> it could be. Could be. I, I don't know. It could be the new Flintstones for uh, 2022. Slightly paralyzed a, stoat. <laughs> it's prehysterical. <laughs> That'd be the tagline. A woodpecker. <laughs> oh, wow. 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 That's harsh. Good Lord, Pat. This marriage is in trouble. You, you, you took that right to the dark side. I don't know. Well, you know, it has wood and it has wood. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 It was an it's easy viable. joke. It was the low hanging fruit. It was the low hanging fruit. Well, uh, I thought I thought Rabbits was a great film. I uh, I have no idea what we should watch next. Are you sure watch make it thematic? Watch Night of the Lepus. Well, yeah, you did mention that when I when I talked to you, and actually, somebody somebody posted today a Happy Easter uh, Night of the Lepus meal. But uh, Night of the Lepus, if we wanted to go on the rabbit theme, I mean, we could do Watership Down, we could do Night of the Lepus, we could do uh, My Experience as a Playboy Bunny. There's so many different venues we could do. <laughs> I mean, how many? I, I saw this meme. It was like, uh, how how many? Um, parents back in the day saw, you know, Watership Down and brought their kids to it thinking it was this cool <laughs> animated yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Trauma for life right there. I remember I I, I don't know if it was you, Pat, but I, I know I I brought Brad in and I was like, we got to go watch this Watership Down. I thought it was a completely different movie. 
I thought it was some sort of science fiction. Oh, I didn't see it. And we get it. in there, and it's an animation, and we're like, what the fuck? And then I'm like, oh, actually, this you. is kind of cool. And we, we really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, Watership you know, Down was basically heavy metal with rabbits. <laughs> okay, maybe not entirely. It. Not it entirely, was, but it could be. I, it was, it was I more think it's one of those movies where you Nazi go with your dad, thing. and as the movie starts to decline into a direction their father had no idea that it was going to be, you kind of look at him going, are we at an apex here? Are you relieving or are you staying? Because we're staying. You're really cool. And for leaving, <laughs> man, what did you do here? When I was a kid, we went to see The Sergeant with, uh, with um, oh, come on, Mike, uh, Heat of the Night, Rod Steiger. And it was just, you know, and it's the same money occasionally because my dad was a retired officer. We went to Richard's Gabar Air Force Base. It was like 25 cents to see a movie. It was great. And uh, you, you can then you go for popcorn. So we go and we watch the sergeants. My dad and I like war movies, and we're sitting there watching it. And it opens with like a, a scene where the Germans are being chased by these American soldiers through the woods, and uh, one gets shot and falls down. And it's shot by Steiger, and Steiger's a young soldier then in this in this footage. And he runs up and you know rolls the guy over who's dead, and it's this beautiful you know Aryan man. Beautiful, beautiful German soldier. And you see you know, a shot of his face and a shot of Steiger's face. And Steiger starts to, to dissolve into like remorseful tears and hugs the guy to his chest and kisses him. And my dad's like, okay, let's get out of here. Come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Time to go. Time to go. And I'm like, well, what, what's going on here? But and he goes, oh, no, 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 let's not talk about it. It was like the most uncomfortable Catholic homosexual panic drive back to the house. <laughs> it was just, it was rife with papal intrigue. And um, I just it, my dad going, I'm going, dad, this is kind of cool. What? More? Why are we leaving? What was it? It was, it wasn't called Brokeback Berlin. Was it? Was it the name of the film? <laughs> exactly. It was, yeah, it was almost like, you know, I think after that, my dad would like vet every movie going, okay, let's see what this damn thing's about. Oh, it's got Lee Marvin in it. It's safe. It should be okay. Oh my God! They told us paint your wagon, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember watching the big red one with Lee Marvin, and very early on, they're in this big, huge battle scene, and and this guy steps on a landmine, and and like um, Lee Marvin goes up to him, and he picks up, the, he says, "Oh, you blew off your balls, didn't you?" <laughs> And it freaked me out for the entire film. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is going on here, man? Well, oh I God. just I was surprised the big red one wasn't about a sexually aroused Great Dane. <laughs> I don't know. I, dude, I, that was in my head. I just had to say it. I'm sorry. Retitled. Red Rocket. I apologize. I apologize. Marmaduke after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Marmaduke's now, now got that... his, He's got a smoking jacket on. <laughs> it's like like Hefner in Playboy After Dark. <laughs> oh, I've got comedian Sammy Davis Jr. in tonight, and we're sitting around drinking a little bourbon, talking about chihuahuas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Marmaduke After Dark. Oh good lord, that's oh, got lord. that. That should be the next David Lynch film. That should be the follow up. <laughs> there to you go. Maybe you should pick a since you know you're on the theme of animals. Maybe just move to another animal instead of rabbits. Move into dogs, which gosh, there are plenty of. 
Oh, good Lord. There's a million things you could do with that. Yeah. They're one of the most manipulated, I think probably one of the most manipulated images in cinema is the dog. Yeah. I think a dog would be great. I think, honestly, I kind of like your leave it to beaver uh, idea. Uh, <laughs> I think I think that would be a hilarious thing because you got that big giant tail that they got. Oh, and speaking of, can we just backtrack for a second to rabbits? Mm-hmm. Can anyone explain the monster flashlight thing? Because I know we, we talked about it, but I never really felt like I got an answer. What did that mean? Because I know at one point uh, she came out and did twice. that, and then she, she did it disappeared, yeah, and then came out again. So it was like a manifestation of some sort. Oh, that's right. She actually vanished from the frame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was she was there, and and then poof, gone. And then it the lights come back up. Then she cruises back in from the kitchen where I assume she went, and then she comes out again and does it. Well, the first time she comes out, turns around and goes back, mm-hmm. then the lights come up. But the second time she does, then she disappears. Yeah. So I have, I, 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 was, don't know. I was trying to figure out like, okay, what is this? What significance does this mean? I don't, I don't think it means anything though, because I mean, I, I think if, you're if right. you hear, well, when you, when you see interviews with Lynch, he's like, you know, I do everything through intuition and, uh, I don't like to explain things. Right. Hmm. You know, and, and so he's basically, he's like, whatever you get from it is yours. Oh, all right. So you have to understand something about Lynch or, or what I think about Lynch is uh, he, his training was actually in art school. He, he, he was a, he, he went to art school. I mean, he was doing paintings and such, and then he kind of got into films as a, as his next step, if you will. So he's thinking things conceptually. Um, and I, I think almost every film that he's, and or TV series that he's done, there's this, there's this, you know, um, morphing from reality into dream state. Right. And back and forth. And so, you know, whatever it is, I mean, you know, Twin Peaks is a perfect example of that, you know? I, I think a perfect pairing would have been David Lynch working with H.R. Giger. I, you know, I've, I, at first I thought you were going to say H.R. Puffin stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, too, that would probably work. I was like, well, I mean, that new Banana Splits movie where it's actually a horror <laughs> film. It's like, I, I was like sitting there going, oh, my God, could you even imagine it? Twin Splits. It would be a great uh, parody of David Lynch doing a banana splits episode. I think that'd be, that would be from, I would pay to see that movie. I think David Lynch would probably just do banana splits. No, no. Uh, HR Puffin stuff in black and white. And, uh, there'd be a lot of blood and there'd be a lot, that same ominous <laughs> background music. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it and the, be, and the theme song is the done in minor, song in a minor key. Yes, exactly. Yeah. On a, H-R on a organ. <laughs> I sound like I was doing Gregorian chants there for a minute. <laughs> I remember I years ago, we were in San Francisco. Proofs came up with an idea of doing HR Puff and stuff because the actor that played him, Jack Wild, he had a, a really hard bout with drugs. He was addicted to drugs. And so he turned the magic flute into a shringe, and it was just this horrible. <laughs> wow. Just, bleak oh thing we you know we all thought it was funny then when i did robin hood jack wilds in the movie and 
and you know he's a lovely man. He's and he's come back. You know he's he's beaten his addiction, and he's just, you know he's there, and he's being just a regular actor. And and then Greg shows up on the set, and I'm like going, "Don't you fucking go up to him? Don't do it! Don't I do will it. kill you! <laughs> I, will, I will kill you! I'll kill myself afterwards." Because he was like, "Is that?" I go, "Yeah, but please, let's just drop that. Yeah, don't, just, don't, go you know, don't go yeah, there. Don't go there. Yeah, we were young. We were smart asses. It was the '80s, you know." Like, hey, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna really be heavy hitting with my satire. No, no, you're not. No, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> here, here it is. We're doing HR dystopian stuff. What do you think? <laughs> well, I have a look. People, it's all blank. You know, they did banana splits. I watched part of that. And went, <laughs> you know. What and the, then the, the new one or the old one? The old one. The new one. The new one. Oh, okay, they're supposed to be. One. You know, yeah. Because I was schlock, intrigued, and I went, schlock, eh. schlock. Yeah, it's and the, then Nick Cage has done some movie where a guy, it's sort of like a Chuck E. Cheese. And it's closed down. He's a janitor. Oh, he's yes, hired to clean it up. This. Yeah. And I looked at that. Of course, you know, he can add. He's got like his house has got a room with a big bottle of crazy sauce that he taps <laughs> like every day before he leaves. But even like, you know, even with the economy size bottle, it was I was going, I don't know if I, this holds my interest anymore. As much as you and I and we guys, when we go to Stockton and go to Chuck E. Cheese, how how heinous and satanic we thought it was. <laughs> I think Dan, I, Dan, I remember we, I went into uh, Chuck E. Cheese for the first time with you, Dan, and they had the <laughs> animatronic uh, whatever's there. Yeah, and yeah. and the, who was it? I guess it was the, the lady hippo. Uh, and you just said to me. Dolly Dimples. The, yeah, you said, I just want to get an M80 and throw it at her. <laughs> <laughs> it's like It's like I want to sit in the front row and like light. M80s and try to get them in their mouth, like almost like a uh, really twisted carnival game. Because <laughs> it's like I, I, I thought Chuck E. Cheese was brilliant in the fact that it was freaking terrifying. Like as an adult sitting there watching these horrible moth-ridden animatronics. Uh, side note: somebody posted a picture. They found a animatronic Chuck E. Cheese in a uh, landfill. And it was standing upright, and the fur was rotted off three quarters of it. It was like it was like oh it was like zombie cheese's pizza time graveyard, and <laughs> it was it was the most glorious thing. And it, I, I wish I could have brought it home and just put it in my backyard and let it continue to rot because it was just the most. <laughs> it was the funniest and most disturbing thing I've ever seen in my life, and I want one. That's all I'm saying. So, if any of our listeners has access to that Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, contact us at uh, Zombie Beach. I'll pay for shipping to get it out here. Because <laughs> you um, if, you, if you're about three, they must have been either terrifying or compelling. Because when you hit five, it was just give me the tokens. Let me have a couple of big greasy slices, and I can I can bar from the ball pit, and <laughs> life is good. <laughs> oh man. They, they used to have this. Um, I forget the name of the chain, but uh, I'm, I'm moving ahead, you know, into the into the two thousands. And uh, I remember going to a, somebody's birthday, some kid's birthday party. I had to take my son to, and they had all these ball pits, and it looked like you know habit trail tubes that the kids yeah. would go through, and and they had this thing where 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 if you if you got to a certain point, if you were a kid and you hit it, then then all this like cacophony of 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 
mechanicized sound would happen. And they actually had this like uh, bass drum that, that had like a, a beater that was on a, a, you know, mechanical beater. It was the loudest freaking place in the world. And then, and then um, they had this observation room that the parents could go to. And I was like, I had to go there. I just had to go there and get out of the noise. And it was like watching one of Jerry's terrariums with lizards and stuff. Going <laughs> it was, it was so weird. Oh my god, that's beautiful. There's the it had an isolated observation deck. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I, what is god, it? The Hunger the Games? That is that what it was like watching the kids like they're going after each I other? Guess, like, man, no, I used just, to take my kids there. Good lord. Oh. Oh, my child would drown your some... child in the colored balls. Yeah. <laughs> Playland or something like that. Well, was it like Dan and Tom's? Remember there's some place that had two guys' names where your family would go and the parents could enjoy one part? And uh, You guys got to find what that Dave, place is. Dave and uh, Buster's? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking Oh, of. Dave yeah. and Buster's, yes. Dave was yeah. it Dave and Buster's? Yeah. I think that's what it was. Well, uh, That's where they had all the arcade stuff. Yeah, okay. That was sort of the that was the animatronicless uh, Chuck E. Cheese, is what David Buster's was. I love the Panopticon where you watched your children hurt each other. That's I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. like the, the, the kid aquarium, man. It was <laughs> you know, if they were smart, they would have added a betting element for adults in the observation room. Okay, two bucks on the kid in the overalls is going to take out that little guy with the shorts. <laughs> and, so and here we go. It was one of the places where you could smoke. So there were guys with like cigars there going, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, so fucking weird. I don't that's know. That's like, that's like, that's, that's like a very, a very twisted version of, uh, uh, what was, oh, now I can't remember the name of it with the, with the Kraken. What was the, the movie? With the Kraken, Clash of the, the Titans, Clash of the Titans, where all the gods are up in heaven, like looking around at the people on Earth. Yeah, well, that guy's messed up. Well, here, let's uh, do this. That's that's kind of like what that Chuck E. Cheese observation deck sounded like. Everyone's smoking cigars, <laughs> going, "Well, that kid's that kid's gonna grow up to be like, like Max von Sydow, Flash Gordon." These children amuse me. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> kill one of them. <laughs> Well, uh, being that we're we're coming up on an hour, I guess we probably should talk about what movie we're going to watch next. Well, I was thinking when you guys were talking about dogs, I think it might be a good time to rewatch um, a boy and his dog. Ooh. Oh, good. Yes. Okay. Oh. I was afraid you were going to say all dogs go to heaven. I was going to. No, 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 absolutely not. I, Don I still, Johnson. I still want to vote for. I still want to vote for Marmaduke After Dark. That's the one I want to go with. I'll do the I'll do the opening title sequence. It'd be great. I'll be Marmaduke. Can they do can they lay in the track like it's a seventies preview? Exactly. Yeah, we have to do really grainy uh, black and white film, and uh, we got to find an old seventies house that's got a grand piano and a conversation pit and all that other stuff. I think good dogs go to heaven. Yeah, but this bad, is where the bad dog. This goes. is where the bad dogs go everywhere. Then, <laughs> like a Hello, fancy poodle comes into play, <laughs> exactly. And Marmaduke goes woof. <laughs> I'd like to bring in my next guest, Sammy Doxent Jr., to do a little song for us. I'm some crazy bitches here, mommy. <laughs> I think there could be some great things. I think I think it'd be the this, funniest. This damn has thing legs. It's four, four legs, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. 
Well, let's let's do a boy. Well, hold on, let me rephrase that. Let's watch a boy and his dog. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that sounds like some of uh, that would be the, the the mandate of a street gang. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do a boy and his dog. <laughs> oh, that's horrible! My God, see yeah. how the, see we started off slow, and again we've tapered off. So oh. <laughs> as usual, as Gently, can usual. I join you again for this? Yeah, yeah. hell yes! If you're yes. here, you you, you, it's a Ray, it's a Ray Bradbury story, isn't it? Originally, no, 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 uh, no it's Mel Gibson. Often <laughs> <laughs> uh, get confused. Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison. A cheery, a cheery fellow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. All right. I made the big mistake of going to the store and buying some Bradbury cream eggs, and it changed the time as we know it. Thank you. That was my big wine flavor. That was my big Easter joke for today. Some Ray Bradbury cream eggs. <laughs> Stay on the path, people. Stay on the path. <laughs> so, all right, a boy, we're going to watch a boy, which even sounds worse now that you know, I think about it because of the context. There's a hole in the fence. We are going to... <laughs> I know this boy and a dog. You just watch him. At, at 3.30 every afternoon. <laughs> um, You've never seen anything like it. <laughs> the fur will be flying, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Bring the lube. But oh, oh dude. Oh, oh no. Jerry. I am I am you, amused you and, and slightly path. I don't know. You cross you I know. I'm amused and slightly streams. <laughs> Jesus God. Oh, thank oh. you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. This is what our right. education in California got us. Yep. This is a Stockton someplace special. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Uh, well, then we'll, I tell we you will... that my, my 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 son bought me a a, a, a the Stockton, California ball cap. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, and I, I wear hope, it with I pride. Hope you wear it. I was gonna say you better wear that thing with pride because, uh, well, no, <laughs> I don't know how else you could wear. As it much as I'd like to bag on Stockton, he gave me you guys as friends. He, oh. You know, met Karen, my wife. It's all good. Yeah. You know, Central Valley really... treated me well. Uh, you know, it, it, we 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 have worked together, we have played together, we have laughed together, and we have cried together in Stockton, and California. If, if for nothing else, it's provided fodder for us for many many years. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. It's, it's an irrepressible string. Thank you, Commodore Stockton. Tyrannous <laughs> <laughs> bastard. <laughs> All right. Well, Jerry, why don't you? Uh, well, let's. Uh, Mike, you want to come back uh, next? Next week, if we can record again, yeah. If you can, I'd love to. If you, all right, lovely. Really, we'll worth. watch. We'll watch a boy and his dog. We'll we'll, we'll review a boy and his dog. I gotta find a way to say it where I don't <laughs> yeah. feel I don't feel creepy. Uh, we will review the film uh, "A Boy and His Dog," and that'll be our next week's adventure. So, you you at home uh, listening to this or in your car, uh, why don't you watch it and listen along as we uh, as we dissect the film and try to pull out the inner parts. Of the dog. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I was going with that, and I, it failed horribly. But I brought it back with a joke at the end. So, Jerry, okay. uh, give them give them the uh, the four one one about where they can call us, find us, reach us, report us, or whatever they need to do. 
Thank you for joining us here on the newly resurrected Zombie Beach Podcast. Remember, you can send us feedback via our website, either at .zom.com or zombiebeachpodcast.com. They both go to the same place. Just look for the button that says Message. Push it. Record. We get it. It's that easy. And please don't forget to give us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Really, it helps us a lot and it encourages us to keep going. Thank you and take care.